The following is a dramatic reenactment done with terrible British accents. Afternoon, Winchester. Hello, Reginald. How are you today? Just enjoying my teas and crackers. Wonderful, wonderful. What's up? Oh, well. <laughs> What's up? Keep no, keep recording. That's the best I got. That's the best I got. We're still rolling. We're still rolling. Um, oh, so I was at church the other day, and a man came up to me, and he said something about my future, and I know it's going to happen because he said, "Thus saith the Lord." Oh dearie. <laughs> <laughs> How we read scripture is just as important as reading scripture, if not more important. Hermeneutics is the art of reading scripture rightly. If we're not careful, we will read into scripture what it isn't saying. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And welcome to the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. And stay afterwards for a little bit of political commentary. Taylor, how you doing? Pretty good, Brian. How are you? I am doing well. So we've got uh, some a good topic today, just talking about speaking prophetically. But before we before we get there, let me just read the latest review. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay, here it's from Rick. Thanks, Rick. He says, first, let me say this was my first ever podcast, Ooh. and I was not disappointed. Uh, Brian and Taylor work very well with each other. Well, that's because you don't see us behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. They work well with each other, and the Love Thy Neighbor Politically series was really good. It came at a time when I feel like my opinions and views uh, weren't in line with some family, friends, and uh, the church, and your podcast was very helpful in a time that I needed it, so thank you. Uh, That's awesome, man. Thanks. We're glad you enjoyed it, and we're blessed. We appreciate that, and if uh, any of our listeners want to leave a review or hit that subscribe button, then that helps other people find us, so thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And now on to the topic. Yeah, you want to you want to intro this topic for us? Sure. Uh, so this has been an ongoing series of um, of, of misread, where we are kind of digging back in and really focusing on some misinterpretations of scripture and maybe some words here and there. So today we're going to focus on speaking prophetically. Most of us, oh, I know, right? Most of us are going to go to First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve or fourteen and other parts of scripture where it really digs into what does prophecy look like in the church and in the believer's life. Um, each of these instances uses a specific Greek word, and that Greek word is uh, prophetia, and it literally means um, communicating revealed truth. Uh, so in the church, it's kind of a divine. Um, clarification that's empowered by the presence of God. But there are two kinds of prophecy that we actually see within Scripture. So, Pastor Brian, how do we deal with prophecy, and what does that look like for the church and in the believer's life today? Right. I think what we typically think about is telling the future events, and that is part of it, but that's not the primary part. Uh, Really, I love the definition that speaking prophetically is speaking on God's behalf. Mm. It's his words, his ways through a human being, which is a great privilege. And so that can be uh, speaking of future events. Certainly God has done that through his people. But it's primarily about drawing attention to the difference between God's will and our reality. There's always this gap. Well, what does that gap look like, God's will and our current reality? Well, I think about where God has a plan for us, 
Ephesians 2. He has these good works for us, and maybe we're missing them. Or maybe God has called us to how, how we are friends or how we are living as a husband or a wife or as a, uh, an employee, and we're not living up to God's ideal. You know, if I'm cheating my company, I'm clearly there's this huge gap between God's will for my life and my reality. And the prophet points that out. You think about John the Baptist being a prophet. And while he did speak of Jesus coming, that was his big job. He also spent a lot of time pointing out the difference between, hey, here's what God wants and here's how you're living. And he did that with the Pharisees, did that even with the king, uh, pointing that out. We're told of Philip uh, that had four daughters who were prophesying. And I don't think they were just going around always trying to come up with something or coming up with some future event. They were, again, speaking on God's behalf to people so that people would respond to God. So I think there's two ways that, that this happens. One is warning and one is encouragement. So the encouragement bit, 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 15, uh, Paul is speaking. He says, until I come, devote yourself, Timothy, to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So there was a, a moment of prophetic encouragement in Timothy's life where the elders uh, affirms God's call in his life. And it was not to respond to something negative, but to say, look at this great plan, this way that God has gifted you. So use this, Timothy. Don't miss that. And that propelled Timothy on in his life. So I want to pause there and just ask you, Taylor, has there been some moments like that in your life? Surprisingly, yes. With my heritage and, 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 and a Pentecostal background, for us, prophecy really came across as prediction. Very much, here's what you're going to do at a later time, or even here are the events that are going to happen. So I did not realize I was being prophesied over in the encouragement way or in the um, uh, the fourth telling of the gospel or the God God's plans for me in that regard. Not so much prediction as much as it is encouragement. Um, so absolutely. Um, I've experienced that personally. What about you? Yeah, the moment I think about, well, it's a moment that got repeated probably uh, a half dozen or maybe a dozen times. But um, in my youth minister's car, as we had spent some night praying for some students driving around, he would take me with him, go visit some students, pray with them. And he would drop me off. But before I get out of the car, he would say, Brian, God's going to use you to lead his people. Yeah. He's going to use you as a leader. Um, and I just remember as a teenage kid, I'm like, well, uh, you know, like <laughs> really, but man, that struck me deep. And, and, you know, obviously it's still something I'm thinking about many years later. I think it's encouraging that it wasn't just a one-off thing that mm -hmm. God is not going to say something to us that is entirely out of the blue, but it really feels like there's this constant affirmation and this com uh, constant confirmation of a direction that you're going, that God doesn't work in ambiguities. Mm -hmm. And so if prophecy is both potential prediction, um, but primarily a clarification, mm -hmm. then God is going to be clarifying what his plan and what his will and what the goal is, if you will, um, for us as believers in our life or in the church or so on and so forth. Yeah, because we don't, we have a hard time seeing the potential that God has for us. Right. And we often just think about the things that disqualify us from serving the Lord. And so I am so thankful for God's grace to send people to us to speak on his behalf, to say, no, God, 
has a plan for you. Now we're going back to a few weeks ago from Jeremiah, <laughs> right. but that is the way that, that God does have plans for your life and wants to use you and for you to be part of his, his work. How important is it for us whenever we prophesy, whenever we bring the clarification, whenever we bring the encouragement, how important is it for us to make sure that when we say, as some people say, thus saith the Lord, that it actually is something that God is saying or would say? Really, really, really important. So here's how important it is. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. Ooh, Old Testament. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message that the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So there, there are a couple of cautions when we speak prophetically, and the first thing is make sure you're speaking on God's behalf and not just making up stuff that you want to be true. Right. Or even worse, to make money, which now we're I'm thinking of some TV evangelists that have popularized that of mm. making predictions that do not come true. When they don't come true, they make an excuse about it and then make another prediction and they still rake in millions of dollars. Yeah, it's not, it's not far off to say that the hope of Christ's incarnation was, it wasn't wishful thinking. It was hopeful thinking, but it was based on the character of God that had been repeatedly confirmed. So again, it, it's this constant affirmation and confirmation of things that are going to come to pass that is clearly in line with the character and the nature of God. Um, what's interesting is that a little bit later on in Deuteronomy, if I, if I remember correctly, it says, if they prophesy and it comes to pass, but it leads you away from the faith, mm. they're still supposed to be mm. killed. So it's really interesting that there's both this, hey, if they prophesy and it doesn't happen, then they need, then there's death. If they prophesy and it does happen, but it takes you away from, uh, from God and the true faith, then there also has to be death. Yeah. So there, there's encouragement and there's also warning yeah. when we speak prophetically. When we think about the prophets, we look to the Old Testament. And if you want to get a taste for prophetic speaking, especially looking in, you know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos, Ezekiel, um, all of these prophets. But I was thinking about uh, Ezekiel 3.18, which uh, describes Ezekiel doing the work of a watchman. Yeah. So you think of the guy on the tower looking over the village uh, to make sure that an enemy isn't coming over the hills or to also look inside the village and make sure a building isn't on fire. The watchman has to have his eyes open and being ready, again, to call a difference between what is good and what's not good and being ready to alert people. And God says in, in the book of Ezekiel several times, uh, you do this and it's not your responsibility if people listen. You just do, you say what is right. Right. That's encouraging. Revelation reminds us that whenever we stand before God, he's not going to say, well done, good and successful you know, servant who did everything right without any issue and led everyone to Christ, mm. it's well done, good, and faithful. Mm. And that means fidelity and loyalty and trusting in God. So if we're not careful, we will equate successful ministry with being faithful. And, and that's not necessarily true. And you bring up prophets, and it makes me think of Abraham J. Heschel, one of my favorite uh, authors. He's a Jewish author, but he explains that, or he describes a prophet as being one who has heard God's side, 
and agrees with God mm. and then turns around and tells other people God's side yeah. so that they would come to be in agreement with how God sees things. Yeah. So in chapter 18 of Ezekiel, uh, there's a list, but the same list keeps showing up throughout uh, the, the prophets. And so the, the gap that God keeps drawing attention to, the things where he has a will and the people are just blatantly against it. Here's, here's a short list that I've kind of come up with that keeps showing up over and over. The worship of false gods, immoral relationships and unfaithfulness in family life and in marriage, oppressing the vulnerable, mistreating the immigrant and foreigner and orphan, ignoring the hungry, taking advantage of people financially with high interest loans or unfair courts, and stealing. Those things just keep kind of showing up over and over as you look through um, that book. You think of Micah 6.8, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so there's these big themes of purity and justice and mercy. And when the people are out of step with it, the prophets are saying, hey, there's this big gap here and I need to say something. Beth Moore tells the story of speaking out uh, in, a, in an issue that she knew would bring her some Oh, what's the word? Uh, flack? Yes, some major flack. But she was so convinced that God wanted her to say it that that just kind of swamped over her feelings of fear. Mm. And I think that's what we have to do when we're speaking prophetically. Now, is every Christian participating in prophetic ministry then? I think like the gifts, I think every Christian is prepared to and ready to, but I think some are specifically gifted with that. Same as in leadership, every Christian will have opportunities to lead in a godly way, but God has gifted some to especially lead in that way. And so I, I do think that every parent has a role to sp do some speaking prophetically to their kids. Yeah. And so that, it, that may not be speaking to hundreds, but it may be speaking to one or two. I think a friend has an opportunity over lunch to maybe speak words of, of Christ uh, into their friend's life um, and for their friend to help direct them and guide them and remind them of God's words. And so they may not think of it as that, but I do. Uh, but that may not be their main main gifting and calling in life. Right. And I'm, I'm reminded that if we look in the New Testament, most of the actions or the acts of prophecy are, are really localized, that it's not necessarily to all nations. There are moments where that does occur, but it's not always geared towards all nations. It's much more intimate. It's much more personal. It's not, oh, this entire people's group, but it's very much, here we are, our, our little tribe, our little gathering, this is the message of the Lord, and this is how we should go about certain things and deal with certain issues. Yeah, and with all of this, there has to just be the reading of Scripture and the time with the Lord, because without that, we are ill-prepared and really over our skis and trying to speak prophetically, we're going to do harm and, and not good. I do have one more caution to toss our way, and that is I would be cautious about enjoying speaking prophetically in a warning, cautious, call-out kind of way, because it seems to be a whole Christian subculture has yeah. kind of come out where there's websites, and all they do is scour you know, uh, sermons to try to roast popular preachers and point out how they're heretics. Yeah. And I do think people need to listen with discernment, but it seems to be there's almost joy taken in that. 
And yeah. I'm, I don't think that's ever the posture of the prophets. It kind of reminds me of the, the play The Crucible, uh, kind of depicting the Salem witch trials, which was intentionally written during the communist witch hunts during the McCarthy era, that we as Christians need to be careful that we're not on heresy hunts. There is heresy, and there is error and hermeneutics, and we should call it out, but never with the intention of, I'm right, you're wrong, but always with the intention of, what is the true faith, what glorifies Christ, what enables us to better love our neighbor. And if any type of prophecy is done outside of that context mm-hmm. and outside of that heart, uh, it's ultimately harmful and degrading to the faith and to the individual, which A- prophecy yeah. shouldn't be. Absolutely. So in Ezekiel chapter 22, God tells him that he's looking for someone to stand in the gap. And again, there's this gap between God's will and our reality, and that's what the prophet is to do. And we would really be missing it if we would not point out today that that's what Jesus, the great prophet, has done for us. Let's echo this back. Speaking prophetically means to speak on God's behalf, and we get to point out the difference between God's will and our current reality, that we've heard God's side of things, and we have come to agree with how he sees the world. Hey, we finished 30 seconds early this time. Nice. Again, so we would love for you to take 30 seconds and just think back about how God has spoken to you through his people and maybe how he's using you to speak to others. And then hang with us after those 30 seconds where we're going to have just a quick word about politics. your promise political commentary we're recording this before the 2020 election so we have no idea who's going to win we have no idea who's going to take the senate we have no idea what political platform is now uh, going to be guiding the nation for the next four years um, however uh, what we would like to address and talk about is going to be true and applicable regardless of who has the seat of power Absolutely. And just so I do get it on record, I believe the Whig party will be in full control. Uh, But I do have a serious comment. Um, (laughs) Justin Gibney from the AND campaign said something so valuable. I just thought I wanted to share it with you because we brought his name up before. And since we're probably in a contentious week, uh, you know, we're just in a contentious year and decade, I think. Pretty much. Uh, But he said something that has really stuck with me. He said, if your party wins you should be able to name three ways that you will be pressing against them to change. Hmm. And instead of just, you know, focusing on the enemy again, you know, as you would, you know, political enemy or opposite that you, you should have already three things. And in some ways, what he's saying is we're drawing attention to the gap between what that party should be and what the reality is. And if we can't name three things, then we're probably really in an echo chamber. Agree. I agree. So anyway, I love Justin Gibney's words, and regardless of what happened, God's still on the throne, and he's calling you to uh, follow his kingdom regardless. Regardless. Uh, I think it was um, 
Um, Alistair Begg's a minister who said that uh, the church is going to be at the foot of the grave of any political party, of any political ideology. So whether we remain a constitutional republic or we follow a slippery slope into some dystopian socialistic society, the church is going to remain. Christ is still on the throne, and we as believers have a responsibility and a joy to give God and our neighbor our attention. And there is nothing that can happen politically that can kill the church. Nothing. Nothing. So that's good news. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And uh, sorry about that uh, reenactment at the beginning. I'm not sorry. (laughs) I think it was worth it. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for being here. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And this has been the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Blessings.